0: Greetings from Ottawa. I'm Adam Benzine, C21 Media's Canadian Bureau Chief, and this podcast comes to you from Canada's capital, which last week hosted the 25th annual Primetime in Ottawa conference. The two-day event, which is predominantly attended by Canadian producers and broadcasters, always provides plenty to talk about. But this year, there was only one subject on everybody's lips. On the eve of the conference last Wednesday, the Broadcasting and Telecommunications Legislative Review Panel published its long-awaited report on the Canadian broadcasting and telecoms landscape. The seven-person panel spent a year and a half gathering submissions from more than 2,000 stakeholders and the final publication, entitled Canada's Communications Future, Time to Act, was breathtaking in its scope. The report is huge. And I don't just mean in terms of consequences, I mean it's literally huge. Containing 97 recommendations for changes to Canada's media landscape, the thing is the size of a phone book. It's massive. Among the many headline recommendations, which will now be studied by the government, are the following. First, the federal government should require foreign streaming services, such as Netflix and Amazon Prime Video, to, quote, devote a portion of their programme budgets to Canadian programmes. The government should also force overseas-based content providers and retailers, including Apple and Spotify, to collect sales tax, ending an imbalance that it says, quote, puts Canadian companies at a disadvantage from a pricing perspective. Elsewhere, national broadcaster the CBC should become an entirely publicly funded service, free from advertising within five years. The panel said that the CBC was not taking enough risks, something I've challenged CEO Catherine Tate and other CBC executives on in the past. The report said that freeing the broadcaster from advertising constraints would allow it to make bolder programming. The report went on to state that the Canada Media Fund and Telefilm Canada should be merged to create a new publicly funded institution that supports screen-based content with a view towards ensuring innovation and content from diverse voices, such as official language minority communities and indigenous peoples. The panel also suggested that regulatory body the CRTC should be rebranded as the Canadian Communications Commission and given more power, with its scope widened beyond just radio and TV to better reflect the modern digital era that we live in. It also recommended that the ability of Canadian producers to negotiate terms of trade with content buyers should be strengthened so they can retain commercial rights. And among the 90 or so other recommendations was that all Canadians should have access to high-speed internet and that universal access to broadband should be enshrined as a goal in the Telecommunications Act. For those working in the Canadian film and television industries, the biggest talking point was undoubtedly the recommendations regarding foreign streaming services, such as Disney+, Apple TV+, and Netflix. In its submission to the panel before the report was published, Netflix had argued forcefully against being made to contribute into the Canada Media Fund, reasoning that such a move would disadvantage it, since, as a foreign company, it would not be allowed to draw on the fund itself to produce Canadian content. So my first port of call at primetime was backstage with Janet Yale, a former CRTC and TELUS exec, and the woman who chaired the seven-person BTLR review panel. I asked her whether the panel had addressed Netflix's concerns when making their recommendations.
1: Uh, We are actually recommending that CMF and Telefilm be merged Mm -hmm. and just be funded with public money. Mm -hmm. So we are not saying that Netflix should put money into a fund they don't have access to. We're saying they should just invest directly in the production and discoverability of Canadian content. So they're more like CTV than they are like a traditional cable company that would have put money in the fund. We're saying just like other broadcasters, they're really a curator of content. In other words, they they buy and create their own content that's available in their catalogue and some of the money they spend in Canada must be invested directly in Canadian content. So the thing they talked about is a problem that doesn't exist given our recommendations.
0: So it's more like you want a quota of how much they spend here?
1: We are recommending that the CRTC require that all streaming services come in and be registered Mm -hmm and that as a streaming service, uh, they would be required to invest in Canadian content based on a percentage to be determined by the CRTC of their Canadian-derived revenues.
0: The day after the report's release, organisations and media companies scrambled to disseminate the many recommendations contained within it. Some were broadly welcoming. Chorus Entertainment's president and CEO, Doug Murphy, said, quote, we have long been concerned by the undue regulatory burden faced by Canadian broadcasters versus foreign internet broadcasters, and we are hopeful that the government will move forward with creating a more equitable, competitive environment. We look forward to commenting further on the panel's report in the upcoming weeks as we take a closer look at the details. The report was also welcomed by the Writers Guild of Canada. The organisation said in a statement, quote, We wholeheartedly agree that it is, in fact, time to act. We are losing members daily to the film and TV industry in LA and they are not coming back for want of opportunity to make their stories in their own country. As for the Big N itself, Netflix kept its cards close to its chest, issuing the following short statement. We all have a role to play in supporting the future of film and television being created in Canada. We look forward to working with the government as it proceeds to modernise Canada's broadcasting and telecommunications laws... The local industry is flourishing. We will continue investing in in made-in-Canada productions and stories, bringing them to the world. As I say, keeping its cards close to its chest. For the producer's perspective, I caught up with Reynolds Mastin, the president and CEO of the Canadian Media Producers Association, the CMPA, which hosts the primetime event. Reynolds, congratulations on another prime time. First off, it's Thank the, you, Adam. the uh, 25th anniversary. Yes. A huge achievement. A big birthday. A big birthday. Now, obviously, everybody here is talking about the BTLR panel report. It's huge, 97 recommendations. I almost don't know where to dive in, but let's start with, it it seems to me that the CNPA is broadly happy with the report. You think it's positive, there's a lot of positive things in there for Canadian producers. We think that there are two
2: incredibly important recommendations in that report. Mm. The first is bringing foreign streaming services into the Canadian system and making recommendations about how they will contribute to that system. And the second is terms of trade, because we've seen in the UK what terms of trade did. Uh, It led to the explosion of uh, phenomenal UK content and the capitalization of UK production companies. And we want to replicate that success here in Canada. And terms of trade was key for that in the UK, and we're confident it will have the same impact in Canada.
0: Yes. Now, obviously, a number of execs from Netflix are here at the conference. And, uh, you know, uh, do you have some sense yet on how players like Amazon Prime Video, Apple TV Plus, and Netflix are uh, reacting to this news? Or
2: whether I haven't they're spoken gonna, to them. Whether
0: they're going to play ball? Uh, I haven't spoken to them. I think that they
2: are certainly open to dialogue and conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly something that we welcome as well because we would love to be able to go uh, arm in arm to government and say, here is how we propose to make this work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, whether we'll get there, I don't know, but it starts
0: with conversation. Yes. And it seemed earlier you had uh, a keynote conversation with the, with the new heritage minister. Uh, it seemed that he was a, a positive supporter of the CBC and his message was that he, you know, he wants to act, and he wants to act quickly.
2: Yes. We got very lucky with Minister Guilbault. He brings thoughtfulness and passion and a determination to act uh, to his job and we are feeling very confident that he will uh, help move the industry forward by bringing in uh, legislation that modernizes the
0: regulatory system in this country. Mm. Yes. Um, the other thing that uh, I noted is, is the recommendation that the CBC goes ad-free and relies entirely on money from the government. Uh, what's your position on that? Is that something that you think is, you support? We think, aspirationally,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, it's a great idea. The challenge with it is how do you insulate the CBC uh, from the risk of cuts to its budget? Yes. Um, especially if... From a hostile government? uh, From a hostile government or a government that is in difficult fiscal Mm -hmm. situation and... uh, Which is
0: exactly what we're seeing in the UK with the BBC, uh, the
2: Conservative government wanting to make cuts to it. Exactly and of course we never want to see that but circumstances can change and if the CBC's sole source of funding becomes government funding um, then there are risks involved in that. Now that doesn't mean that We shouldn't have that debate Mm -hmm. because uh, there would be great advantages for the CBC going ad-free if it could uh, have stable funding. Uh, It would enable it to focus uh, more on its core mandate and not have to constantly worry about meeting the needs of advertisers. Uh, but it's a tough one. It's
0: a really complicated question. Mm. The other key recommendation was the merger of the Canada Media Fund (CMF) with Telefilm Canada. Obviously, both very big agencies. One focused, you know, primarily on television. One focused primarily on film. How do you think that will affect Canadian producers? And will, is it is it going to be positive to just have one large sum of money to draw
2: from? I think that there are a lot of concerns about. Uh, how do we ensure that uh, the unique needs and circumstances um, of each of these constituencies in the uh, ecosystem are meaningfully addressed if we begin changing uh, or amalgamating the agencies. Mm -hmm. Um, And there the devil is very much in the details and uh, for the government to go down that road it would have to extensively consult with the industry and demonstrate to feature film producers and to television producers that an amalgamated agency uh, would not only continue to serve them, but would serve them better mm. than the two separate agencies do today. That has to be the bar uh, that needs to be met if we're going to go down a, the, uh, the, the road of amalgamation. Mm. Reynolds Mastin, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Adam. A pleasure.
0: As always. Despite the report's scope and scale, there were those who felt it didn't go far enough. One of them was Jesse Wente, the Executive Director of Canada's Indigenous Screen Office, which was set up in 2017 to support and develop Indigenous storytellers and to increase representation of Indigenous peoples throughout the industry. I caught up with Jesse backstage. Jesse, if I can start with what your initial thoughts are on the Mammoth review that was published on Wednesday.
3: Yeah, I, w- I mean we're st- we're still digesting it. Mm-hmm. I would suggest most people because it had uh, a, a lot of significant changes. I think for the broader industry, mm-hmm. and a lot of forward thinking, I think went into it. And it was it was nice to see that, at least for the the broad sector, a lot of the concerns had been listened to, and are reflected in in the um, in the report. And I think it is uh, a very noble attempt to modernize. Uh, fairly outdated piece of legislation mm-hmm. at this point that is probably long, well not probably, is is very much long overdue for modernization. So I think all of that I think was, um, I was very pleased to see because of course for the Indigenous Screen Office, um, we advocated for those changes as well. So, yes. so I'm certainly happy to see that the, those sorts of things around foreign uh, streaming services, around you know the very definitions or ideas of what broadcasting is in in the modern age, which is I think radically different than when the last Act was last uh, updated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those sort of foundational elements, I think were were very useful, and and I would in, certainly encourage the government to look very hard at those sorts of things. I think where from the Indigenous Screen Office, there's some concern mm-hmm. is just the. Um, the level of representation and how we are represented uh, in the report. Yes. Did and the ISO make a submission? To we the, did. To we the made it. We made a formal submission. We had. Uh, we participated in a uh, and also a, a, a live session with the mm-hmm. review panel. Uh, so we both had an in-person opportunity to to submit, but also did a formal written uh, submission. And that submission really came about. You know, after about a year of consultations with our community to talk about what they would like to see mm-hmm. and and the big piece that came out that everyone really wanted to see is actually what is largely uh, missing from this report, which is to f- see true equitable inclusion in the broadcast act itself, not so much the the yes, good for the policies that come out that are compelled by the broadcast act but in the legislation itself um, to see Indigenous Peoples, First Nations, Métis and Inuit in equal representation with French and English. We know that the act that they're revising, uh, the way it referred to Indigenous Peoples was fairly limiting. Mm -hmm. uh, in that we were only talked about a couple of times in the act and there was language like, um, you know, there should be uh, an Aboriginal broadcast sector when funds become available. And that sort of language, of course, leaves it open for funds never becoming available. And uh, while I think this report sort of uh, does suggest that that sort of language be removed, it does fall short in terms of saying what should be put in the act which is specific recommendations well and says that not when funds should be available funds should be made available to create an equitable indigenous broadcast sector to that of french and english in recognition of our equal uh, place in the constitution and in the history of the formation of this country yes and that uh that history is what should compel legislation like this but uh, honestly all legislation when it comes out of the government that this isn't uh, a a nation of two solitudes no it's always been a nation of multitudes because that's what was here when Canada's was born yes. was already a multitude of nations yes. and our legislation actually needs to start to reflect that history because once you have that in legislation it yes. does force policy work that actually changes and starts to re- include people in a I- at least indigenous peoples in a way that simply isn't possible if we leave it up to interpretation and leave it up to others to decide what actually counts yes. a, under that representation. So I think that, for me, it was, has to the, be in was the, the big piece that was missing. It yeah. has to be in the act. In, in the act, in the legislation. And, and stated, I would suggest, quite plainly, yeah. you know, that, that the broader we leave it for interpretation, in our experience will tell us that we will get the least possible to meet that standard. And I think at this point what we have to say is we don't want the least to meet a standard. We want real equality, uh, real nation to nation treatment under under this, and that should include an opportunity for First Nations, Métis, Inuit people to exercise the same sort of narrative sovereignty that the Broadcast Act compels for French and English communities.
0: Yes. The other thing that uh, I I thought was a real takeaway from the keynote that you did here at Prime Time was that you said, uh, you know, the feeling certainly was for First Nations, Métis and Inuit, that the time for consultation is over. Mm. That was the big takeaway Mm. from your talk. Can can you expand a little bit on that thinking?
3: Well, I think, um, you know, sort of the history of Canada, quite frankly, is one of ongoing consultation Mm -hmm. with the people that were here before Canada. Lots of chin-stroking, but not much action. A lot of conversation, a lot of um, asking, going back and forth, and then certainly in my experience, and there's others that have been doing this far longer who, who would, I think, echo my experience, is that that has a tendency just to lead for calls for further consultation, and there's, there's very rare moments where action is actually taken based on what has been heard in consultations, but you know why I would be optimistic, Adam, is that you know the, the creation of the Indigenous Screen Office itself is the result of consultation. What's interesting, and and maybe what might gives me pause, is that there were calls for the Indigenous Screen Office in Canada twenty years ago. There's been numerous consultations over the years that said, you know what would be good? How about we form an independent body that's there to serve indigenous creators in this space and, and really fight for this uh, equitable representation within the, the sector. And yet it was only a report created in 2015. Yeah. And, and a report that echoed, again, reports going back 20 years, but that report, sp- and I would suggest it's because it landed on the, the right people's tables. It landed with people who understood what it was, it was suggesting. Uh, and it finally required people to actually take some action. And that's how we get the ISO. And so I think what I'm asking for is, since we know in those reports what was asked and what we're seeking out of the broadcast, like the ISO was formed as a function to help achieve that things. I get a little frustrated when I see in this review calls for further consultation. consultation, yeah. And and because we, I'm not sure, you know, just in my experience in the two years of the ISO, we have been in constant consultation with the government. Yes. Like it is not ended. The where the community is undergoing another round as you and I sit here. Yes. That's further consulting, and there becomes an exhaustion for the community. That, that when you've gathered, because it's not a huge, indigenous people are not a huge population in Canada, and if you break it down sectorally, when you get to people in the, the television, movie, broadcast sector, well, that is not a huge no. number of people. And so what you, you effectively are doing are gathering the same people in the same rooms, asking them the same questions to get the same answers they've been giving you for years and years and years.
0: For his part, Canada's Heritage Minister, Stephen Gilbeau, said that the government would move quickly to begin passing legislation addressing some of the issues brought up in the report, with the first bill, or bills, expected by June at the latest. Here he is, on stage in Ottawa.
4: We said we would table a bill this year, and uh, I mean, to me, tabling a bill this year, um, I don't want to wait till December. I, I, I will do everything I can to ensure that this bill is tabled within this parliamentary session so between now and and the month of June. And we are also looking, you know, are there possibilities, are there things we can do without legislative changes? Uh, Looking at, you know, we understand that the current regulatory framework is, is not adapted to the world we have, but we still have regulatory tools. And and these don't, you know, if we wanted to make some changes on on that, we don't have to go back to the House. uh, We don't need to to, to have new bills voted. So maybe they are things we can do in the the short term. Um, We we are looking at those possibilities as well. But obviously, you know, if we want to reform the system in line with many of the things we we saw in, in the Yale report, it will require legislative changes.
0: It's worth reinforcing that this long-awaited report is colossal in its size and scope, and this is just a sampling of some of the immediate reactions to its publication. You can expect the report's recommendations to be discussed in depth by the Canadian media industry for many months to come. That's a wrap on our special report from Ottawa. I'm Adam Benzine. Until next time, take care.